Okay. Show begin. I want to start out mm. with a public gripe that I have. Uh-oh. With the Way- Wayfair Corporation. Why? Well, as we've discussed ad nauseum on here, you purchased a $900 couch from Wayfair. 400 Sorry, 400 mm-hmm. Don't want to make you sound too bougie. Yeah, no. You purchased a $400 couch from Wayfair way back in November. Mm-hmm. And I believe we chronicled on here my journey receiving uh, it the day before Thanksgiving to go and pick it up. Yes, correct. I had to cut open multiple boxes, you know, had to shove it into your car. It was a hell of a task. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, I Corolla want an Jenga. Ans- I want an answer from Wayfair. I didn't get the child that's supposed to come with it. Where is the child that will ordered? Wait, what? It took me a lot of time to go out all the way to that shipping center, and I didn't get my child. Where is my child? Are they shipping children? You don't know about this, huh? No. Uh-oh. Yeah, you didn't hear about this? There's a new version of Pizzagate, and it has oh. to do with your favorite company. I'm know, surprised know that your use... Google alerts for Wayfair didn't tell you about it. I know it. they use prison labor, so... Yeah, that's... Yeah, well, mm-hmm. what can you do? There's no ethical consumption under capitalism, yeah, that's true. as we know. I mean, there's a lot of zipper... You know, you saw there were a lot of you know flaps in that couch. Yeah, you could probably fit a kid or well, two in there. Well, apparently some Zoomers on TikTok, this is where this began, Oh boy, uh, started to make some galaxy brain connections between the names of Wayfair furniture and people or children who had been uh, ab- abducted <sighs> okay. and gone missing. And so, you know, similar to Ikea, all the Wayfair things are named like the Linda or the Glurgan or whatever. Yeah, there's Glurgans about. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Shit. And uh, so, yeah, so our, our intrepid Zoomers that are going to save us from the fall, they figured out that this is an Epstein-style child trafficking ring because why else would a dresser cost $15,000 if it wasn't a child? They don't sell $15,000 items. Apparently they do. Some, oh, uh, b- because eventually this, this conspiracy theory, it, it escaped orbit. It escaped Earth orbit and migrated from TikTok to QAnon people oh, boy. onto their boards. And one of the QAnon people purchased the $15,000 dresser mm-hmm. just to prove that it's a child to own the lips. And then they just got a really expensive dresser. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to them, yeah. Okay. I'm sure they'll post about it. There'll I mean, be like claw marks on the inside and they'll claim that the child escaped. I mean... I'm shocked you didn't hear about this. I thought you would thing. be excited about it. So here's the thing about like smuggling children. It costs a lot more than $15,000 disagree but i, I want to let you finish I think your point. kids like when you see like weird things that are priced really high it's in the millions of dollars for a random item fifteen thousand dollars for a dresser if it has like a marble top or something and like you know all joinery no glue situation easily worth 15 think of think of your friend dom yeah of course a dresser a good well-made dresser could be fifteen thousand dollars at the very least yes yes i agree artisanal furniture is expensive Listen, man, how does this connect to child t- trafficking? I, I understand that f- cheaply made furniture shouldn't cost five figures, but it does. Wayfair but, does sell things that are that expensive. So what's your yeah. point? I mean, their thing is that they'll sell you like a folding chair, like a Glurgan from Ikea, but they'll also sell you the uh, uh Glurgan, which is like mm, that the best like Glurgan. That SS division. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, sh- it's a full sh- uh, shower renovation. I don't know what you're talking about. Um no, but they do the thing where they have really low end. Like they have a scale of like, are you a yeah. cheap ass or are you feeling bougie? Yeah. Because if you go to the all modern site, that same couch is an extra two hundred dollars, or the or the chairs are an extra like fifty bucks. 
wait, is all modern like a subsidiary of? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And it's just it's just to make you feel, feel like you're, fancier yeah. by spending more money and getting exactly the same dog shit product. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. See, I learned a little bit about this uh, via the conspiracy. Yeah, I had no idea that Way- Wayfair had so many different levels, but they do. There's four. Okay. Yes. Yeah. For all you furniture heads out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but anyway, if anybody from Wayfair is out there listening, I want my child. I demand it. Here's the thing. Oh, by the way, this was the this was the point of what we were yeah, talking what, about. <laughs> child, you can definitely purchase a child for less than fifteen thousand dollars. What? I have two angles on this. Number okay. one, think about legal adoption, right? Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's expensive, but yeah. that's why there's a black market for it because it's less expensive on the black market, and I can almost guarantee you that a Bangladeshi child on the do- dark web. You can you can come in so. under fifteen k for that. I'm positive. No. I'm sure of it. Mm-mm. Yep, definitely. No, because anytime. No. Yeah, hundred like, percent, man. It's like drugs. Yeah, I know. Like if you need drugs to, are if, more valuable than human lives. Okay, is what no, I'm getting at. if if you need to smuggle anything cr- cross border where you have to not be found out, otherwise you, you know, either go to jail forever or get killed. Mm-hmm. You're gonna charge a little more for your products and services than fifteen thousand uh, dollars. You know, no, no, that's not how supply chains work, man. They they do it in bulk, so you just get one shipping container. Okay. You can fit a lot of Chinese kids in there. Okay. And you bring it over, and yeah, that seems expensive at first, but per unit, I'm gonna go with maybe ten thousand dollars, probably less, honestly. I don't really right get, around there. I don't want to get canceled for talking about. You know, I'm sorry. Child trafficking. I'm, so, I'm not the one trafficking children. If anyone is angry about this, if this is triggering for you in some way, oh boy, um, I don't apologize, and I never will. What's that from? I don't know. It's I, from a cartoon. I won't apologize, and I never will. That cape flip. It sort of sounds like the Lucille Bluth. Uh, I don't understand the question. There we go. Yeah, I was like, why, I was like, why does this sound familiar? <laughs> I just used huh. the same sort of speech cadence, but uh. it's a very different quote. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, a little different. Yeah. Although along the same lines of yeah, you know, like Quentin Tarantino says, I reject your hypothesis. What? Yeah, when people try to cancel Quentin Tarantino, he said that, and it seemed to work. Huh. Anyway. I mean, he just was like, "Yeah, I like feet. Here's some more feet. Fuck you." Yeah, he they're never, dirty now. The, the like, whole oh. key is you just never promise to be a good person, and then no one can ever take you down for anything. I never told yeah, him. I don't. That. I don't think he was ever the kind of person who's like, "I'm upstanding." No, exactly. He never claimed that. Huh? That's a way. That's a workaround. That's exactly how it works. That's a really it, good workaround you know, for people. That's the secret. You just don't be a good person in the first place, and then there's nowhere to go. But there's no expectation. <laughs> yeah, it's, seriously, it's true. Lowered expectations. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh man, did you see the the big police bust? I think it was like in the Netherlands where they found a bunch of underground chambers that had like dentist chairs in them. Apparently, there was some sort of dark human trafficking going on. I don't know why I'm thinking about why? human trafficking okay, right yeah. now, but you... it's the first thing that comes to mind. And the number one rule on this podcast is first thought, best thought. That's how we've always functioned, and we'll never back down. <laughs> I mean, oh boy. But yeah, that was pretty dark. Yeah, that was that was I mean, it's the Netherlands. It's the land where like what is it? Like girl who kicked a hornet's hive or something? <laughs> girl with the girl with the dragon. Girl nest. with the dragon uh pet train your dragon. Yeah. Yeah. So like how to train your girl dragon? That's maybe that's what they were doing. Girls who chambers. train their dragons? I don't know. That's I'm not going to make that mm-hmm. joke. Mm-hmm. Um like you know, it's very dark there most of the year. They they get into some twisted shit. 
That's the thing. People think of Europe as like more civilized and, you know, a gentler culture. And in many ways, that's true. But Mm-mm. there are a lot of weird serial killer types and a, a dark underworld of Europe that, uh, especially the Germanic peoples. I was going to say the Berliners the, are just in love scat. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's weird, you know. Ugh. I think Berlin is the only city that might trump New York for uh, most depraved. Oh, yeah. Uh, area. Imagine if you you went to Central Park and everyone was naked, and you're like, I don't need this. It's two in the afternoon on a, a random Thursday. No, thank you. Well, we have Fort Tilden for that, and you know, frankly, I appreciate it. You appreciate seventy year old men who look like fried bacon wandering uh, around. Listen, they're just they're just the price you have to pay for some of the other confections that okay. you get to indulge in. Okay. Disgusting. Listen, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. There was that one. Did you see that one couple who was like, take a picture of me from my back topless and then let's post it to Instagram and leave. And oh. I wanted to be like, get the fuck out. Truly oh, get I the fuck out. I did see that. That's right. Yeah. And that's I'm just like, <sighs> we got to, we got to back up and explain this for the listener a little bit. It's not that interesting of a story, but honestly that was really weird. Cause we showed up and that couple was sitting there and they were fully clothed in the, in the sense of bathing suit clothed, including the girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like they'd been there all day that way. They were there for two hours. And then right before they left, everybody got nude. Not fully nude, but no, lady she nude. did. Yeah. For some reason, though. Like to for take the a last, picture. For the last minute to she take po- a picture. She posed for him, and he was like, yeah, great. And he's like in a full like sun shirt and like yeah, weird. straight dude board shorts. And I'm like, what the fuck that are you That didn't occur people? to me at the time, but that's a really strange... Like You want to present yourself on the internet as more liberated than you actually oh, are. Oh, absolutely. Yet at the same time, you're still getting naked in front of a crowd just for a shorter amount of time. And facing the beach so no one really sees. I and it's so. like just gays so. abound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're just invisible to the gays. They I don't, mean... They don't care. No. You know, a straight couple could start having sex on the beach and... They oh, would be, I would they, would, a, they would go unnoticed. I would get beach. a spray bottle and be like... Psst. By the way, can no. I ask you a question, another beach question? Yeah. So there was the gay Latino couple that was on on the position in front of us. We went to the beach on a really crowded day, it by the way. It was a poor idea. Probably going to get coronavirus. But I feel like I already had it. Who cares? Whatever. It's all good. But so they were flying the typical pride flag. But with a brand But on it, it had a big white symbol on it, and I wanted to know if you knew what that was. I'm not that gay. Okay, all right. I guess that's true. You're not really an authority on anything. Every time I ask you questions, your usual answer is to shrug and be disinterested. But also, if it's like a branded thing, like, do you know how many things are like specialized gay branding? Well, that was my like, question. It, it almost, yeah, it looked like it could have been a shoe company logo, but it's like probably like an underwear company from like, oh god, I, you know. I wish you Glang hadn't Dong. told me that because, like, you know, I I ended up trying to research this later because I have an interest in vexiology in general. A what? Vexiology, the study of flag design. Hmm. Uh. So, I only know the sailor ones. Oh, okay. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But anyway, I looked I looked up all the different gay flags because there are a huge variety. This is what you're doing in your off time looking up gay flags. Listen, man, it, it's one letter off. <laughs> and you want to look at pictures of gay flags. Holy shit. Is this your coming out episode? What's going on? Oh, yeah, guys, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> got me got his ass oh boy that's how my that's how i come out as gay from being autistic for flags yep <laughs> that tracks you know 
So oh, okay. Boy. So anyway, so anyway, I'm looking at all the different flags because I'm hoping to find this symbol because it never even occurred to me that it could be a branded thing. It's just a brand. I thing thought that it they was like for... a subculture thing because uh-uh. you know there's a bear flag for bears only. But it looks like the Cleveland Browns colors. It I does. Think. It's Cleveland Brown colors, but it has like a a big paw in the upper left corner. That's how Scruff came to be with the paw branding. The lesbian flag has a battle axe on it, which frankly is fucking awesome. Tracks. It's purple and black with a white battle axe. Yeah, if you want, which is great. Listen, if you want to chop down a tree, you don't get a lumberjack. You get a lesbian. Mm-hmm. The gay man flag is just blue stripes. It's what? like it's like that's just nine the flag of Greece. Variations which... of blue. Yeah, no. that's true. Maybe they just copied it from them. Hmm. The Greeks, they were the original gay men. Yeah, I, I think uh, we could safely say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I'm looking through all these flags hoping I can find this symbol, and I only vaguely remember what it looked like. But yeah, it's much more dystopian. It looked like the Quicksilver logo. Something like that. It did, it did. It looked like a skateboard PacSun clothing but it's probably company. some, like, media fuck... I don't know. Well, anyway, it's much... It makes me feel bad now that that's what it probably was. That it was just corporate branding applied to gay. I, I'm less yeah. comfortable with that for some reason. I thought, oh, cool, maybe it's like a Latino subculture uh-uh. gay flag or something. But no, it just turns out it's like the we work. No, if, yeah, if you couldn't find a thing, that means that it was produced as swag, was never an actual image. It was just a slap our logo on it. And like, you know, those dudes probably they had the haircuts of working in media. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know. This is it, it was all sorts of haircuts that work in media on the beach. I was like, oh, yeah. I need everybody to go the go home. Like I don't know if you've ever seen anybody with a corporate tattoo, but like one time I saw a girl with like a Nike tattoo. I've seen other versions of these, but nothing comes to mind and like Was it a tramp stamp? Because I'm kind of into that it, as an idea. It wasn't. It was the second worst tattoo, which was a calf tattoo. Oh. Which I think is never a good idea. Anyway. It, was she Irish and from you know Westy? I'm not sure. I didn't get my calipers out. Okay. But if I had if I had had a chance to measure her skull, I could have I could get back to you. Anyway. No, the Irish it's like it's like you take a sheet of white paper and you see if they're paler than it. Oh, that's true. That's a yeah, that's a good test. You just shine a flashlight at and them if they and go, you <laughs> can see through yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then you're all right. Mm-hmm. Um but no, it just reminds me of that like I don't like it when people, I guess people wear t-shirts all the time of companies and that doesn't bug me, but I don't like it when people over-identify with brands. It makes me feel like they have no real personality, like they're just NPC zombified individuals. This is why I've, you know, currently not, you know, withstanding, I hate any branded clothing. If it has a brand, I get mad. Yeah, I would say over the last like eight or nine years, I've slowly started to shed brands for the most part as well. Oh, it's been this way since I was like 19. Yeah, that's true in your case, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's got a little fucking logo on it. This is me in a like swooshy Nike hat. But there's no like lightweight technical hat that doesn't have a stupid fucking brand on it. Yeah, I don't know. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Ooh, um, COVID. I don't know. I don't know why, but like accessories don't bother me as much like hats and to a large degree shoes. Oh, yeah. You I know, small shit. little shit items, backpacks, you can't really get around that. Yeah. Because largely that stuff, not shoes, but largely accessories and stuff are given away for free and you just sort of, you know, like hats. All the hats that I have, I've gotten for free. I don't think I've paid for a baseball hat oh. in ages. This was 20 bucks. You know. Hmm. <coughs> I mean, my thing is like, if you have, like, I don't know. I recently, when we were in Ohio, I went to the outlet mall 
because a bitch. That's your favorite place a bitch on earth. Loves in, a deal. in the same sense that all the hogs are are trampling towards Walt Disney World right now. Yeah, you. I'll kick down a fucking outlet make, mall. Yeah, yeah, you got to get to the outlet. Listen, I, do you I, remember the day we were on our way back from somewhere with a big group of friends? I don't remember why or where we oh, were. Oh yeah, Maybe we went to Woodbury, New yeah. York, and you made everybody go to the. No, Kitty mall. also wanted to go to Woodbury. That's true. So it was two, two. against two. And yeah. we won. Um, that was a really depressing day. I just ended up sitting in the hot sun on a bench. Oh, just I was so hungover and, and so hot. I was like, you Ugh. guys to be done shopping. It was too many people. And I then was no like, one bought go. anything. No, I was like, oh, I got to go. This is too much. Um, no, I'll show you. Anyway, you went to the outlet mall in Ohio. And I ended up taking home, because it was like $20 or something, this cable knit hunter green uh polo ralph lauren sweater which normally i abhor because it's got a stupid man on a horse because i don't like that i don't like that their thing is like hmm east coast elite we're gonna do polo and i'm like fuck you but i'm like god there's nothing more like iconic preppy than hunter green cable knit sweater well so what's your objection then really it's just the logo yeah but fuck the logo Whatever, man. But like, I bought it anyway. Like, I had a moment in Weekend of Thrones. Like, I don't even care. Give me that right now. Well, wh- what's kind of tripping me up here is that you, on one hand, have a problem with over-identifying with brands and logos, yet at the same time, you are over-identifying with a brand. It's just a class-aspirational Un- brand, not a corporate one, necessarily. Well, just as an item, I was like, Preppy oh, this, things, is, this, like is, you said. this is the perfect item of its kind. Okay, yeah. But it, ha- it unfortunately has the stupid thing. Is there any way that you could pick apart the threads and you know no cable nets you just destroy okay no well then i think it's worth it sometimes you got to make a sacrifice it's but also okay. like if i just tie it over my shoulders no one's ever going to see the little like riding man oh i see okay because the the slurry of words that you just hit me with cable knit hunter green blah 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 i'm just pretending to know what that means i don't know or care you know, but now i understand completely that it's the type of sweater you're not even supposed to wear you're supposed to wear it as a cape while mm-hmm. you wear shorts and drink a tom collins in maine Oh, yeah, my shorts will have one ball out, and I'll have a white polo on, and then that slung over my shoulders. Yeah, Duh. yeah, okay. Um, oh, so it's not even for wearing. It's just for No, I'm going to wear it because it's, like, it's comfy. It's okay, cotton. Right. But, you know, its ideal state is slung over shoulder. Sure. Like, yeah. No, it's like you well, play golf with it. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, brands suck. I, I'm not a fan. Except when you are. Except when I capitulate. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Everyone's a hypocrite down there somewhere. That's not really that big of a deal. I think more people That's should get true. comfortable with simply admitting that. Oh, I... It would solve a lot of our problems if people were just like, yeah, I'm pretty much just full of shit and kind of stupid. That's what I'm coming around I to. I never really doubted that in myself. Yeah, that's true. You haven't. You've never You've never claimed anything otherwise. That's true. I used to. I used to you be did. like, yeah. Okay. Fair I used enough. to be like, believe it I'm or not, the smartest guys, man and fuck everybody. And I'm like, wow, I'm dumb. I don't think a lot of people that listen to this podcast would necessarily understand that we used to have something of a role reversal where you thought you were smarter than me. Oh yeah, and I still do to some extent. Yeah, well, and you're probably right. I um, have. I realize that my knowledge is very niche, though. Yes, you used to look down on me. And now I look down on you. Yeah. But that, that wasn't always true. This hmm. is a thing that developed over time. And and now maybe it's shifting again. I think you're kind of right. It's getting back to the point where you're able to look down on me again. And that's only natural. It's the, it's the circle of life. Well, it's it's also a matter of, like, I'm not, I'm not very online. That's true. So yeah. 
when I uh, hear... Yeah, how dare you not even know about the Wayfair conspiracy? I mean, that was... I saw, like, a meme that was, like, something Wayfair, and it was, like, change... Co-. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even care. Yeah. Um, but... Where was I going with this? It is the thing of, like... if I'm not very online, so all of my knowledge is actually practical, like, interests, and not Wikipedia. Okay. So it's a little more, like, you know, massaging the kale before you throw it in a salad, like, felt knowledge... Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense, actually, and I think that's a good thing. I think mo- more people should aspire to that. It's dumber, though. It's uh, more. It's, it's more base, basal. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like I I really struggle with this. Like I have this email correspondence going with my grandma hmm. ever since the quarantine started. You have a core grandma, Korma. Uh, chicken Korma. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know really how it started. I think she just kind of emailed me out of the blue, and then we went back and forth because I had nothing better to do. Um, but I'm she's sure. a person I enjoy yeah. talking to in real life. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and she, God, maybe I do have coronavirus. Um, I but, probably got it from re-entering the, the vortex. Yeah, it's possible, and you're just going to give it to me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I hope I die. Anyway. Uh, so I've been talking to my grandma, and and we talk about like kind of high level things, you know. Like she likes to talk about religion. She's a she's a fairly devout person, but not on an institutional level. But huh. she has a healthy personal relationship with God that I enjoy talking to her about, and hmm. I like to introduce her to thinkers that I know of and stuff that I think she might like. She sends me quotes, you know. It's one of these things. But she constantly uses this defense when I send her something that she might not understand or is a little heady or whatever she'll say like you have to remember that i'm a simple person Mm. and you do a version of the same thing where you don't claim yourself to be a simple person but when you say something is stupid or more base it's not that it is it's just that the articulation is not your focus Hmm. don't you think that's true it's like you're, you're less concerned about putting it into words until you're forced to like on this podcast and then you have to think yeah. about it for the first time and it's hard to form these things up well it it just becomes the thing of like it's the basic artistic thing of slash autistic thing of like well i just know it oh you ha- i have to say it with words now oh fuck yeah yeah we touched fuck. on this we touched on this a little bit in the last episode i think when we were talking about your work or like how to analyze art mm-hmm. that you know part of the artistic responsibility is sitting around thinking about it and then being able to explain it later yeah but i don't think everybody feels that way that was just my opinion I, it's there's a different difference though between thinking about it a lot and then being able to articulate it and i'm, I'm you know I, I grow more comfortable with i can think many things about it but the articulation should be vague and same thing with hmm. like maybe your grandma like that's getting an interesting into, like, idea getting into religiosity it's like it can be felt but like explaining the whys and the the deep feeling hard well and i think also that with religion it's really touchy and especially because she's advanced in age you know on one hand you're just set in your ways naturally but also when it comes to religion you don't really want to start questioning anything she doesn't Mm -hmm. really want to talk about it with me um for a critical perspective you know and so it's hard to sort of sneak that into the conversation because i can't resist i have to be and it's not that i want to push back and be like you shouldn't believe in god but i'm like hey here's this angle on it you may never have heard before but it's like you know a sort of not even like they're not even like academic papers or anything but it'll be like an atlantic article or something Mm. that's just a little over her head that she's not used to dealing with but even that like older people do this thing where 
their religiosity or their belief system is something that they have never questioned throughout the process of believing, which the way we were trained and also the way that I was like taught religion is like, no, you need to like question it all the time. Um, or at least I had one teacher who was like, no, just don't accept any of this. This is it's a magic basically. Like you should challenge yourself if you all the time to set your actual belief system. And I was like, hey, you're not wrong. Like, you know, I think that's only kind of true. I think that's sort of um, like being a good Catholic should be doubtful. Yeah, yeah. Well, Catholicism, I, that's a tricky. Piece. A lot of religions instill that. Honestly, like Judaism does that. Catholicism. Oh, does Judaism that. is the peak. There, if if there's a lot of um, God, what's that? What's that fucking word? Like ecclesiastical thinking. Um, huh? That's like the study and debate of religion amongst the devout oh huh. um I, I think that's only a christian word but yeah. i think the sentiment can apply to a lot of different religions any religion really yeah um but you know what you're talking about is a little bit different than what i mean because i think it's a little reductive to say that people don't struggle with their faith i think that's like a normal part of religious oh, identification they like doubt themselves but they don't i don't know they don't they get don't, to the nitty gritty. They don't necessarily question the overall premise. Though. Yeah, it's not as if like the framework of a Christian God, like you, you never get to the layer of the stack where you're taking that apart as a concept. Like that's just a given. That's the basis of your world, and you might, yeah, you might have a personal uh, lapse in faith for a time and come back to it or not or whatever. But like that is always in the background as like the cosmic microwave background radiation of yeah. your universe. There's no. There's nothing beyond that. There's no dealing with that existentially or otherwise. Right? Yes. Yeah, I, I take your point there. Um, what were we talking about in the first place? I don't. I feel like I lost the thread of how we got here. Oh, like being able to articulate yourself versus feeling something. Yeah. I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting idea because I, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that personally because as soon as I have the feeling, my immediate impulse is to try and describe it. I never have this. I, I'm very uncomfortable sitting with this sensation of I just feel something and that kind of felt knowledge is enough. Immediately, my mind skips to analysis and I have to. Well, yeah, that's one thing. But like, let the ma mashed potato incident speak to this of like, you're like, yeah, I kind of. There's a difference between me saying you have to be able to smell the thing and know when it's done. Yeah, right. Because I know like what chemical processes need to happen. Because sure. like. Like at first I'll be like, I think that's done, and it's like, let me actually look up like what the what is what chemistry is happening in this process. So then you can know without fault like the next time and the next time, and that that way you don't even have to like consider it going forward. Right. Which is a slippery slope because then you, you realize you're like, why is this slightly? Oh, I mm, I stopped paying attention. Well, which is a real problem in my life writ large of like, well, I just did it and I learned it once and I didn't, didn't really. I, lapsed my relearning well all of these things take practice like the mashed potato incident is a really instructive example because you may not have made that mistake because you understand how to do that through scent just for example yeah right to simplify it a little bit and i don't understand that element i think about it purely technically but i also have enough hubris to completely skip the technical uh looking over yeah and just figure figure that i can riff out an engineering problem which is always a disaster yeah right but you might be able to riff out a sort of engineering problem if you understand, like, what you're even trying to build. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and like, I, you know, so so yeah, I was missing a lot of essential pieces of the puzzle in that. I think that you know, and I think that's interesting. I think that happens all over the place in life, depending oh, yeah. depending on the way you take in knowledge and grapple with it repeatedly. You're not necessarily equipped to do a wide range of things. It depends on the how. I mean, I in my in my time working uh working in solitary confinement during the daytime i've been doing a lot of like huh how would i set this up if so that way the laziest employee i ever had would be able to do their job not well but to expectation satisfactorily and that actually causes some like interesting practical things because you're like well what how does this go if you like are a body in the space how does this work what do you do like all these very minute things i'll get to the point eventually um all these little minutiae that you're like it doesn't really matter all those little things of like how decision making processes get arrived at is an interesting exercise for everyone to do like well you have to you have to sort of model what the median intuition is how do I make this accessible without making it overcomplicated for a normal person? Mm-hmm. And that requires inhabiting a simpler mind or just rather a different a non-specialist. and average mind. Yes, yeah. Exactly. You know, if to take it back to studio language, like how would a non-specialist understand this? Right. Cooking. How would a non-chef understand this? Because like there are times when our friend Ben will talk about things. I'm like, I know a lot about fucking food, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, because a uh, friend of the show, Ben, he hasn't been on the show, but friend yeah. of the show, Ben, is a professional chef, and I think he talks about cooking in language that's more similar to an artist and s- does tend to skip over like technical details or of the why of the yeah, together. exactly, right. And it's like, like I can do the like A plus B plus C to be like, oh, that sounds good, but it's like. Why does that work so well? Like, and it's just a matter of like, oh yeah, you just got to get some 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 good duck fat. And I'm like, you left that out. I didn't hear that part. All those things sing if you add that one variable, and you're like, oh, that's why that's fan fucking tastic. A lot of the times, uh, specialists will take very key factors as read, yeah, rather than feel the need to explain them. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, we do this all the time. Like, oh, why is that that way? You just use the good cad. You're like, yeah, what? right. Yeah. Like that? Why is that so bright? It's like, well, you do some, you do some magic, right? But it's hard. It, it, what I'm saying is like, it's a good thought exercise to do even basic things that you do in your life or whatever you specialize in, or even like everyday things to be like, what's the most effective way to do this for my lifestyle is one thing, but also like, am I? Do I actually understand the things that I go about my day with? Right. Or not. Yeah, it actually is really amazing. When it's you like a mindfulness thing of like, it is, yes. do you, like how present are you with your practices? Yeah, I think it's a... Mis- is that very woo? Um, it's, a, it's a little woo, but it's very true. Like, like, I think what... The mistake that very precocious people... I fall into this all the time. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I'm immune to this, but precocious people make the mistake in language a lot of throwing around 10 cent words or concepts it's not that the words have to be long it's just that they're dense um 
without really understanding like all the subtler implications of using a word like that. Like neoliberal's been the hot one for like a year. People say, oh, that's neoliberal or neoliberalism is fucking up my life or whatever. You know, yeah. at least in the online world, that's 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 a hot button thing. And, and then I if d- anyone was asked to explain it, they'd be like, you know, well, I don't think like people Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, like, exa- OK, but people don't continue. even recognize that it's like an economics term and not a political term. Right. Yeah. So you, you, precocious people fall into this category a lot. Um, but it's very amazing when you look at your own life even with daily things and realize how much you do automatically. Mm-hmm. And if you don't inhabit that little devil and angel on your own shoulder of, do I really understand how this works? Or do I, have I ever thought about the way floss is made or, you know, you can, you can mm-hmm. objectify things and do it that way, or you can do it in process terms with things that you do. But either way, it's pretty incredible when you stop and think how little you're really mindful of. Yeah. 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 No, and, and there's no there's no better example than that uh, of what you named of like trying to come up with a procedure for a simple task. It makes you realize how many steps in the task there is. Like, remember when I went out of town and I made the podcast like um, uh, production and upload? Yeah, yeah. PDF for you, and you know you think it's going to be simple, but it turns out it's actually like thirty five steps. When to me it only feels like two or three. Yeah. But you don't realize how much you're skipping over if you've never done it before. It was a little overwrought, but you know, yeah. But, but it, it made it easier. Like, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, anytime you're doing like a uh, a teaching or a training document or condition, you have to oversimplify it. Like, even if it seems like you're like, oh, am I talking down to this person? It's like actually, probably not. No, probably not. Like, like the the number one reason. Also, if it's clear, you can just reference it faster and you're like, got it. Thank well, you, you never want to leave you never want to leave anything out at all, even down to what seem like really minor details. And you know, if if a competent person is reading your overwrought list and they feel comfortable skipping steps seven through twelve, because they're like, Oh, I get the gist here by now. Yeah. I can save the thing without going to file. Uh, yeah. open blah 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 save like yeah you might, you might not need to list that but you might as well because if that's not something on their radar or they're not familiar with the program yeah. something as simple as a drop down list can be overwhelmed yeah. right so you might as well have it there yeah. um, but that's the thing about designing things for the median individual like I mm-hmm. said before that's really different because you have to account for all types of people not a specific individual yeah, yeah. no I I have a training document I did not make um it's like an operations manual that is over explanatory to the point where I can't read it because I'm like, this waterfall is stupid. I can't see the, it's all trees and no forest and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, that's a bad manual. Like we're down to branches and I, it, it to leaves even. And I'm like, I don't, I just need to get to like the forest of it all and you're really fucking me up. I, I think what I think the trap that a lot of people fall into mentally or, you know, creating again a procedure in list form or in text form is a really good example. I don't think most people understand outlines no. and how to organize things in terms of a decision tree where you have sections that go to big from small and then back to big and back to small and, and sort of unify in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm a big fan of that in all sorts of texts in my life. Like you could even, you, I think you could even extend that with some strain to aesthetics and paintings and stuff. Like if they don't have layers to them where there's a 
big dimension and a middle and a small dimension while you're looking at it. Yeah. Um, it's probably not a very good work of art, mm-hmm. but it's really well illustrated by a well-outlined manual or something where you need to give people the forest first. Section one, uh, we're trying to put the boxes on the shelf. Yeah. And then you get into subsections of exactly how you do that. And then you get to section two, which is we're putting the boxes on the shelf because. or That's not even a great construction, but you mm. know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you my, well, I'll give you two examples. I'll, the first one that I did was like, Given the location, you're going to be asked to get this one item first. So it's the clearest thing when you walk down a hallway. But your job is to sell the more expensive thing. So that thing is right to your left. So you go, oh, that. Oh, let me grab the other one. Let me bring. And then it's like, and if you're bringing a third, it's to when you turn around to exit the hallway, also on your left. So it's always a constant, like, you know, clock counterclockwise thing of like get your sweep get it fast keep it moving sister like like very like and you can explain that to people and be like oh uh uh-huh like baseline but back in my khaki slinging days i made a two-page onboarding document which is like three hours worth of conversation i was like it doesn't need to be longer and they're like how do you know i'm like i just you look at the thing and then you you're smart. You will tell the person once you see the item what you're going to say. You'll just see the item and be like, oh, yeah, we did that. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Like, there is a certain level when you're making collegiate documents, even in terms of art, depending on who your audience is. Yeah. Can you get someone to the point where it's like, oh, you just need to see the see the trigger and go and make the connections? And it requires a lot of trust. It does, yeah. You you don't want to condescend people that you respect. Yeah. And at the same time, you don't want to over-determine things for people assuming that you don't respect them. Yes. Like, that's sort of the, the, the line here. But yeah, when it, when it comes to art making, like, whenever I refer to didactic art, what I mean is that it's condescending me and not trusting its audience right? which is like it happens a lot with like pastiche things where yeah, it's it like we're just putting this blender together and can you see the connections and the red strings and you're like yeah and i'm bored you told me instead of showed me well it can go one of two ways it can either be way too illustrative and the connections are just obvious and heavy-handed and stupid or they're so obscure and obtuse that you have to read like a paragraph on the wall to have any access at all to what this is supposed to be yeah if your title has uh those uh dfw things footnotes right eat shit like you you, your title shouldn't have footnotes yeah i've experienced that twice in my life and i'm i was so mad well you know what you know what a good illustration that everyone would be familiar with would be is rauschenberg what's interesting to me about rauschenberg as an artist is that he throws you know everything in the kitchen sink at a painting but he doesn't expect you to make every single connection he's very generous in that way where like his version of pastiche is like hey if you just appreciate this on the level of like a good composition on one level that's all i'm really aiming for but if you start to draw connections between the 12 different photographs in the image that's also there too if you're willing but in either case you're going to enjoy your experience. Yeah. And he doesn't. He never determines for you what conclusion to draw. I've yeah. never seen an interview with Rauschenberg or a painting of his where I thought there was a specific meaning. No. He did a really good job of like crafting an entire oeuvre that revolved around like uh, pastiche and simultaneity without over-determining anything ever. Well, that's why like that one 
John's that's in Philadelphia with the leg and the, like it's the giant painting. Uh, yes, I think that's uh, the Night Watchman painting. No, Night Watchman is just the single leg. It's the upside down chair with the leg on it. That one's fine. That's in LA. That's oh the okay. But there's another one in Philly. The big one in Philly. It's got the leg and it's got a like a bottle brush. Like it's a sure, full sure, sure. Yeah, extravaganza. Yeah. And you're like, this is bad, sir. Like this is actually impressive to see. Like because you're like, what the fuck is this? But it's like, if I was if I didn't know all the secret handshakes involved, I wouldn't even have like a window to open for access interesting i have a couple of things to say about that you know what i'm talking you know what i'm talking um yes i'm pretty sure i do um that era of jasper johns's work is very interesting it's like pre-harlequin well i believe that was like the mid mid 60s before the crosshatch thing started to happen when he was doing assemblages um there's two things about that one is like i think jasper johns even though he was young at that time kind of earned the ability to have his little private language that you might be expected to understand because he did go from simple to baroque in a pretty methodical way but it, that was over a period of 10 years yeah because like night watchman is what 68 I, I think it's even earlier than that actually i think the painting you're talking about is also earlier than that too um but i but i would agree they reach a level of complexity where there's you you can't derive any coherent meaning out of it but similarly john's never asks that of you either it's That's just true. it's just very obvious that there is a definitive meaning that you will never know you'll never know because he's like no, never his tell. withholding is is irks a lot of people but you know i kind of like it and the second thing is that there was a period when him and rauschenberg were together mm-hmm. where they were making each other's work sometimes as sort of a there's du- only one one of each that we know of that they claim or whatever but it was sort of this Duchampian inside joke of like no one would ever know, so why not just try it? Yeah. And and every time I see a Johns from that era, that's like a little too off. complicated. Yeah. Or a little off. I always wonder. Yeah, there's there's a couple like and I they were like they were genius to do that. That's an yeah. amazing trick that will last forever because no one will ever know. I mean, Rauschenberg went to his grave with it, and Jasper Johns is about to. Mm. So. You know, he'll outlive us all. It's fine. Um, he's like Betty White. He's never going to die. I don't know. Carl Reiner just died. I think Betty White's next and then Jasper Johns. I'm calling it now. You heard it here first. That's like my personal Vietnam. Like, how dare you? (laughs) Two two icons. (laughs) Oh, my God. Maybe when uh, when Betty White and Jasper Johns die, I'll do a Jasper Johns tribute because, you know, he did that Vietnam soldier, the Farley Breaks Down paintings. Um, I'll take a picture of you hunched over crying with a picture of Betty White in mud face and Jasper Johns in his prime with a lipstick kiss on it. (sighs) That's actually really funny. I'm going to take that as a photo. We have to set that up. Okay. We'll talk about it later. Oh, boy. Um, No, well, what we're basically like, I mean... The core of that is like Johns was trying to do a two M. Yeah, you know, well, and it's just or, like or or, or more like um, two M is a the last painting that Mar- Marcel Duchamp ever made, but I think it's more similar maybe to like a large glass thing or like mm. um, compositionally and strategy. It's just all of the strategies all at once. Yeah, interesting. Okay, fair so enough. That's why you're it's right, like you're right. you look at it and you're like, ooh, it's two M, but big. You know, both Johns and Rauschenberg, especially in that era, were dealing with that painting a lot. Yeah. Where there was, like, collaged physical elements, holes in the canvas, especially the uh, spectrum of color cards mm-hmm. that show the range of the palette. That yeah. uh, that appears in both of their work in the early 60s the a maps. lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're nerds for a very specific moment in time. So, like, <laughs> well, hey, no, doing it's... our own secret handshakes yeah. about like, do you know this weird, freaky thing that you only can see like twice, like twice in a lifetime? Uh, you know, yeah, like, like I always say, it's really hard to talk about art on here because if 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 people don't know what we're talking about, it's just immediate turn it off. I'll put it on the I'll put it on the Instagrams. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I really liked our last conversation, uh, just talking about painting and stuff because we actually. You know, we actually know what we're talking about uh-huh. in these areas, yeah. and I hope that people kind of enjoy it because I I don't think there's that many people out there, professional artists or otherwise, that have in depth knowledge of like really particular things hmm. in any field. Um, and you know, I don't know. We have a lot of friends. I don't think there's anybody except for you in my life that I could talk about particular Jasper Johns or like Duchamp works with that would know them by title. You know. Hmm. So anyway, this is a but little bit meta. Because, I'd rather get back to yeah, talking but that's about also, it. But. Yeah, but that's also like, because I I don't know. I I am the crazy person who's like, oh, it's it's what? In what thing? I have to know the oeuvre so I can be like, boop. Like, well, it's, for it, lots of odd things. Like, it's the same thing of like, why are you a specialist in like knowing about niche late 60s to mid 80s jasper johns and you're like i don't know it was a generative thing for a time i don't think about it that much now but do i still like is it imprinted yes is walter darby banner imprinted in my head sure yes and he's a lot of people listening don't even know who that is as you probably shouldn't but like there's some weird shit that there are corollaries in contemporary art that you could look at him and be like oh someone just did it but like a little more found and it's uh this is sort of a tangent, but it's also very interesting when you look at a lot of contemporary painting of the sort we described last time. That's just like sort of Instagram mimetic art that's yeah. has no content in and of itself. Like how many of these minor people that they're ripping off yet, they don't even know it. And maybe the people before them that they are conscious of ripping off also didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, there, yeah. there's three or four generations of art where like knowledge in any deep way, rather than just a broad sort of superficial way isn't even a thing you're required to have anymore well it's like when we were talking the other night about uh julie curtis and pulled a picture and it's like oh that's just christina ramberg right like yeah and like her whole thing is like yeah i like it and you're like bitch you are stealing shut up like well it's this is sort of circling back to where this conversation started which is like the ability to articulate yourself or just feel something and I, i feel very um I feel very staunch in the stance that you should be able to articulate why you feel the way that you feel because otherwise you can just go with I like it and that's a justification for completely ripping something off without innovating at all. Like I I think innovation in any field but in painting or art in general is especially reliant on the idea of thinking things through and being responsible for your past so mm-hmm. that you can actually respond to it rather than just repeat it anachronistically or accidentally or accidentally yeah like because if you as an artist are tripping over things going like, oh i found it i like it like a collector's never gonna have seen that shit before either and be like it's new and it's like no it's the same as the thing we did it over what are you talking about no thank you well and it's also like there's plenty of art out there that i encounter and i like but then i forget about it Mm. it's weird to just start liking something and then immediately start to replicate it 
It hasn't gone through any um, process or any amount of time, really, where it's earned the ability to be riffed on. Yeah. Like, I think one of the reasons that I fixate on Jasper John so much is just that he was an artist I just stumbled across because he's canon, you know. you just He's just one of the ones that you find in your youth. And he's one of the only ones that I've returned to over and over again that I never forget about. And then even when he makes new work, it's pretty good. So I can't I can't say the same thing for, like, Julie Moretu. I brought her up on the last episode. I feel bad using her as a whipping person because I think she's not a bad painter or whatever, but you know, she's just the kind of person that the first time I ever saw that work, I had a really great visceral reaction to it where I went, wow, this is amazing. Maybe this is a direction I want to pursue. You saw one IRL? Oh, I've seen a bunch of IRL, sure. I don't think I ever... I think I've seen one. Oh, that's weird. Um... No, I've seen him a lot. In, in fact, just in February when I was in L.A., I saw a retrospective of hers. Um, I think it was at LACMA. Huh. Um, which was interesting to see. It's interesting to see her development. LACMA but he, is open? Yeah, we, it wasn't during coronavirus, dude. No, but uh, in October, LACMA was closed, pretty much. I don't know. I might be mixing up the museums, but I'm pretty sure it was there. Um, parts of it were closed, so that sounds right. Like, parts of it were open, parts yeah, of it Yeah, I feel like closed. in October, like it was like, don't even bother schlepping. But anyway, like... You know, she's a good example of this type of thing where when I see her work in person or sometimes even online or whatever, I am, like, impressed by it. I'm like, oh, you seem to think this through. You developed a formal system. You carry it out. You're thoughtful. These don't suck on the, on any objective criteria. You know, there's a lot of assistance involved and stuff, but they're worked on hard and thought about a lot. But then I see a retrospective of our of her work, and I'm like, oh, you only ever thought of one thing. Yeah. You never did another thing. Uh-huh. And so that's not an interesting artist to me. That's not somebody no. I would be interested in riffing on in my own work. It's somebody that I might appreciate when I'm around it, but ultimately you had one idea that you skated It's on. impressive, yeah, but it's not it. impactful. Exactly. Because very well it's a one it's a one it's a one trick pony, and you're like, oh, once he became an Enron trading card. You stopped, which is unfortunate. Like, oh, no, it is unfortunate because if if Julie Moretu had decided that, you know, you don't even have to be critical of the system that you're operating in. But if it had just become more than simply, well, I make site specific works that are the same work, but this one's about Berlin and this one's about Tahir Square and this one's about New York. And it's like, well. It's very. How, how is it possible that the same style applies to those three places? It's very Sarah Morris. That and doesn't like, work. No, thank you. I, I don't want to be like, are you two dudes shitting on lady artists? Like, no. Like, dudes do this all the time. Like, Sterling Ruby sucks. Well, it, it's it's not about it's not about shitting on it's not about shitting on lady lady artists. It's about shitting on lazy artists. Like, yeah. y- there's no possible way that architectural line drawings in exactly the same like format, size, and style, but big, can yeah. be said about the Arab Spring and then about Goldman Sachs. Like, and if you don't understand the contradiction there, that has nothing to do with gender. Yeah, no, no, no. Just want want to clarify. Although I don't know, Sterling Ruby for Calvin Klein was kind of sick. Um. Well, because like, that's just like, oh, the commerce is clear. Even right. bad artists or sellout artists have hits. Like, I don't think there's any disputing that. I think even yeah. the worst artists in the world have good paintings, and I would go all the way down to the level of like Bob Ross and Thomas Kincaid to say that. And it's like no disrespect to 
them or anybody on any level, but if you're actually thinking about what they're doing, Thomas Kincaid is a more successful artist than Julie Moretu. He does exactly the same thing, which is I had one idea about America and sentimentality and nationalism, and I took that to a broader business model and to the actual audience that would appreciate it. Is it weird, though, that he's like Jeff Koons' light? Well, no, because he's he, doesn't, Jeff, he's, he doesn't make as much money. Yeah, he did. He made more. He made more? For sure. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, individual items well, the in thing, the Coons case sold for more, but like... Cumulatively, crank, yeah, Thomas Kincaid certainly made more his money. His conversion is a lot higher. It's just the thing that he realized, which is that this is a business and this is not actually art. Um, I sell people high production kitsch uh, and I try to find as big of an audience for that as possible and ultimately he became kind of a trumpian figure where it was more about licensing his name than it was actually making anything and i think that's actually also true of a lot of blue chip contemporary art although it's much too crass for the client base that they cultivate to ever put it in those terms but it's the same thing is there still a kincaid store in one of the vegas casinos where someone can flack on the light for ten thousand dollars you know as of as of like seven or eight years ago, there no. was, but oh. I almost feel like that's gone now. I think huh. after Kincaid died that it fell apart a little bit. I don't, oh. I, I'm don't. i not 100% sure about this, but I don't think that his heirs kept the thing going. I think they fought over it. And Except it was maybe as an online entity where you can still buy posters and oh. like the sort of digital prints with a little bit of daubing on them. But Yeah, you I, could buy a Jaclain, then someone would add flecks of light. I, I doubt based on the retail environment generally that that still exists but if it does exist vegas would be the place It'd be i the feel only like place. that would yeah, be the no, last yeah. one left vegas yeah. miami maybe some places where there's casinos hmm. or just like culture of tourists i mean that's what you it's need for. a tourist that you need a tourist to be like oh my god let's buy smart this is why you still have street painters on in soho of like oh my god let's buy this spray paint on the new york times it's so like it's a souvenir and you're like Ugh. Uh, fuck you i hate you yeah i don't know it's it's really ironic that on some level a lot of these artists working today that are feigning like a critical eye towards making art could ultimately have more success if they would just open stores i mean you see the sort of like street artist people doing this not so much anymore but cause just is like oh uniqlo will sell uh you know Cause, Banksy, Mr. Brainwash. I mean, even Jeff Koons was doing lines with people. Like, that's I'm sure he was in the 80s, but what do you mean lines? You know what? I don't think Jeff Koons ever did cocaine. I don't think he ever had any fun. I think he's a miserable human being. And his his work Hmm. is so uptight that I guarantee you he's also a Trumpian figure in the sense that he's a teetotaler, probably never did never did drugs, never drank. I guarantee you that's true. He's been very drunk. Um, Are you sure? I'm, I'm, this is how he told uh, what's his face. It's all about power. It's never about the money. He was super drunk at a party. Yeah, but that could be apocryphal. And I, you don't think he did a lot of drugs while being a trader? No, the only no. way traders function is doing shitloads of blow on the weekends. No way, dude. Just just think about that guy and his mentality and what his work is all centered around in his eyes, which is like forgiveness and morality that's now but it's no but that's always been the case i mean you can you know when we were in undergrad one of my favorite things to do was go to the library and they had a video that was a 
documentary about Jeff Koons made in like 1989, oh boy. which features him heavily. And no, his line has always been the same. He's never changed his spiel ever, ever at all. Uh, no, know. he didn't. Hmm. He never did. He, he's been very consistent, which is why, honestly, I think he's a pretty good artist, too, but in a really weird, manipulative way. Oh, boy. But All no, right. I, I think it's very obvious just based on his presence and the type of work that he makes and the type of person that he is that he is sociopathically sober. I can almost now, guarantee yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're doing your own John and Kate plus eight situation... Um, as an art person, yeah, you you have choices that you've made, um, which then you're just like, what? What Mormons can make art now? What the fuck? No, he's not actually a Mormon, you know. But he lives. I mean, he doesn't have sister wives, but he's got like ten children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we got a little far afield here. What oh, were we oh, talking wait, hold about on, before? Real quick, his son. His son is a model now. Huh. Okay. Very strange. I don't know how I stumbled into this on an Instagram deep dive, but like. Now he's like an Instagram celebrity for rich children, but he's a yeah. model for like hmm. things. And I go, hmm. So artist children become uh, influencers, influencers, yeah, models, or stars of girls and writers of girls. Well, th- I mean, this is the whole like artists of children are possibly the worst people in the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're raised by narcissists? Oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Oh, no. Vito Good God. Schnabel or just, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Vito Schnabel, Lena Dunham, apparently Jeff Koons' son now. I mean, this is the whole industry of, remember Rich Kids of Instagram? Oh, yes. In the latter days of Tumblr, that was yeah. the thing. I mean, that's basically what this is. I mean, it's the whole industry of elites, children. They don't have to do anything, but they have to justify their wealth by trying to do something like daddy can't just give you a trust fund and be the nick kroll character that never works and ask for consuelo to give him uh xanax but that's actually that nick is kroll. what they that's, do but yeah. social media has made it possible for them to turn that into a career somehow yeah yeah i would you know you you said before that you haven't been online much that's good i would largely just ignore this stuff as much as possible yeah i it was alarming i was like oh boy like this is a thing. Yeah. Believe it or not, I haven't been very online either. Yeah, you've been leaving the house a lot, yeah. Wild. Um well, yeah, you should stop working. You need to come back. You need to come back to the depression cave so that I can spout theories at you uh at all hours of the day. No. My my <laughs> life is so lo- my life is so lonely now. <laughs> After Reddit banned all the things I have no use for it anymore. Instagram's just full of people's own self-loathing garbage, and I have mm. no need for like their problems, so I don't really check that that much. Mm. It's it's really like the internet has become really unfun for me. Oh, so I just stopped with it, kind of. Oh, I mean, like obviously, I still know about news things and whatever, and yeah. I hear about the reflected glow of all of this like cultural garbage through podcasts because I still listen to a lot yeah. of podcasts. And then if you know if I'm interested, I'll find it. Like that's how I figured out. A about the Wayfair thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, no, it, it's better in a lot of ways to be ignorant, you know? It's the uh, well, it, old Matrix cliche of ignorance is bliss. It's well, sort of better. I don't know if it's... In, I don't think it's... In, uh, I don't think it's ignorance, but I do think it's a matter of, like, when you have three months of filling yourself with, like, 
garbage, the garbage of culture that is social media, it's actually nice to be like, I only opened my phone like three times today. Yeah, yeah. And I feel a lot clearer headed than I have in a long time. I, I, I wonder, because I'm in agreement with you there, but I wonder, like, if we split our audience along these lines, I think that fully 50% of people have gone farther into the depths of the internet, and then the other 50 or I'd actually say even less. I think it's a mi- minority of people that had reached a point of exhaustion and just sort of checked out. Maybe, I think a lot of yeah. people went way deeper because, like I just outlined a second ago, like my main reason for being less online is mostly that I just can't take it because of the culture that's there. Mm. And when you're in your real life, none of those issues are a problem. Yeah. So it's better to be in the place where you're not going to get yelled at or you're not going to have to confront something you don't want to think about or whatever. I don't know if that's the case, but I do think it's a matter of like, like to use like cell data as a thing when like the megabytes going in are too much that you can't sort. Like that's not useful. You're just taking in and not actually like doing anything like, no, yeah, you're, you're not just doing keeping anything. the clay and you're like, uh, is this going on the wheel? What's going on? And it's like, no, there you're just, accepting it or like you become the same kind of consumer person yeah yeah that you know the general public is yeah exactly which sucks like right. i don't want to be that person the whole Me point neither. is to not be that person right. um and now i'm like well right you're just feeding some machine that's making your life worse by being online now yeah and and, and it's weird because that's always been true at, at least since I don't know, 2012 or something like that's always been true. But the illusion was there and the illusion's just not there anymore. And and you're right. It it has everything to do with like, I don't want to contribute to whatever that is. And that and that in quotes means a lot of different things. But all of it, I like don't want to be a witness to a constant data dump. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? Well, like, you don't want to you don't want to contribute to the data dump that's furthering the immiseration of the people contributing to it and yourself. Yeah. That's what's happening. Like it's it's the shittiest version of the Ouroboros, and you're just like, ooh, this is bad. Like, this is a constipated snake. Like this is yeah. no bueno. Right. Like this is very bad. So like to be like, well, I have to put my phone down because I don't know, I have to actually throw things around all day. It's like I could have been doing this for myself you know, the entire time. But it's like, I wonder, this is a strange thing of being an artist who has to have a day job or something. It's like, when you're so conditioned to have to deal with time constraints to think, when you have all the time in the world, you're like, huh? Like, it gets a little like, you know, like your brain is better when it's like, well, we're down to the wire. You have about three hours to make make a decision and make it happen. And you're conditioned to that. And then all of a sudden it all stops and you're like, oh, we have all the time in the world. This is so luxurious. Mm." But you can't actually do that because the world is just data dumping too much. Well, it's really easy to get distracted. Of course, but in general, it is really hard to just be self-motivated in any direction. Um, it's easier when you know that everybody else is doing the exact same nothing. 
Yeah. That's what made the first couple of months of the quarantine a lot easier was that there was no obligation to do anything because you knew that no one was doing shit. But also you have but, no actual input inputs. You know no, what I mean? Like well, no useful inputs. It's well, all, everybody mm. was on the same cultural page for a couple of months there where it was just basically like checking in online about coronavirus was 90% of yeah. everybody's day all day. And you knew that that was true. Yeah, that was like three weeks and of there, hell. There yeah. was nothing. There was nothing to. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even say it was hell, but there was just there was no pressure to get back to normal or do anything. You could just discuss your own trauma and project your own trauma and know that everyone was also doing both of those things. Yeah, and now it's like, well, whatever. You got to just get back to your own life. Right? Yeah. Which I'm like, I don't know. I'm starting to get nervous about that return because I'm like, because it's awful. Well, it's like, all so bad. I'm just like, oh, a sneeze guard is gonna and a, a a mask that looks suspicious is gonna save me to do fifty percent of my job well. Oh God, like, ugh. well, I don't know. Just just the idea that, well, I guess everything's just gonna be back to normal yet completely dystopian like did you see the disney welcome back video no it was horrific universal studios has a similar one where it's a bunch of people in surgical masks working at disney world saying welcome back welcome back welcome back but they're all in the surgical mask and then the last shot is of a stormtrooper that says welcome back citizens and it feels like it's from... Who edited that? That person is wicked. It feels like it's Starship Troopers or something, where you're like, well, welcome to your like hyper-normal fascist reality where you should just go die, whether that's at Disney World or at your job. like Or the, kill somebody around you even worse, and then the you're going to internalize yeah. all of that. It's terrible. Do the stormtroopers roll around going, hey, six feet apart? Actually, I would be down for that. That's kind of funny. I, I guarantee... That's a dark joke that I'm here for. The thing is, I guarantee you they do do that. And the, the problem is, is it's not a dark joke. It's like they're trying to make something really dire, really lighthearted. And that's what the whole world feels like right yeah. now. It's really, really difficult. I don't know what to do. I, I don't even know what to say about it. I don't know how we got here. It's just, I'm well, just sort of venting a little bit because it feels bad. That's fine. I mean, I, I am getting the feeling just seeing the world happen i'm like okay we're gonna try this one more time and then it's gonna be a matter of like okay good game everybody pack it up like yeah, I'm, maybe, I'm wondering maybe. like oh well let's put a pin in it it's done like never mind we tried to ramp it all up again it's like well that didn't work change it actually change it and don't put you know buy some plexiglass yeah i just don't think so i mean i i, I don't think that there's the cultural will on the part of the population to ever shut down again like even if it's claimed on a governmental level i think people will mostly just ignore that anyway Hmm. um and the other thing is like there's no incentive to actually change anything like i I rewatched hyper normalization again the other night oh which your bible it is my bible it is um fundamentally our leaders don't know what to do so there yeah. is nothing to do yeah. but just normalize this situation and make it work, as Tim Gunn would say. I mean, there is no change coming. There's none. There's, it's just not going to happen. Well, 
Uncle Joe is going to save us all. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> the, the the thing the thing that's been on my mind a little bit is like party politics is so stupid to even talk about it anymore. It's so superficial. It's you know, it's the hyper normalization thing. It's so Soviet Union esque, where like everybody will go through the routine of an election. There'll be the same sort of ire and discontent and polling discrepancies and all this bullshit in the lead up and then one or the other people will win and it won't matter either way because no candidate has any intention to change the global financial system and without some change at that level there's no change coming there's no options it's just nothing it doesn't matter it's also tied to the idea that like i don't know we can do the kabuki of normal but like how long until the public realizes that it's the the theatricality of it all? Because like those of us who who know are like, yeah, we're gonna play normal for I, as long as it's fucking useful. But like, this is stupid. I think you're doing the thing we talked about at the beginning of the episode, where you're sort of condescending the median person accidentally. Yeah, I am. Cause what I'm I like mean, disappointed that people want to do the thing. Well, what I mean when I say that there is no public will for a lockdown, it's not that the public doesn't understand that a lockdown would save lives. It's just that we can't. We can't do it. And everybody understands how theatrical this has become, yet we have to watch the kabuki play out politically for a while more. And you think crazy shit's not going to pop off in the same sense that it did with the uh, BLM protests after George Floyd's murder more. Like, there's just more of that coming and a lot more political kabuki coming that will never uh, address the grievances. Um, You know, so it's hard to get involved in anything too much because you're basically reduced to a violent situation and i don't mean that in terms of kinetic war but i think there's sort of a psychically violent situation where there's a lot of discontent and no intention to address the underlying current yeah and so the politics goes on as kabuki and everybody realizes that and therefore ignores that yeah and now it's all against all yeah i mean on on a local level i was talking to one of my colleagues and she's like oh yeah i just had a a man yell at me because he wouldn't put a mask on yeah and i'm like why do you have to deal with that she's like i don't know i'm in the middle of manhattan the fuck's wrong with him i'm like i don't know you kick him out she's like yeah i don't give a shit like but that's also emotional labor that no one should have to deal with no of course not and i mean here's a great illustration from the other side i forgot to bring a mask with me when i went on my uh exercise ride the other day and i got yelled at by a lib that was like oh you didn't bring a mask like how dare you i mean it was like really serious she was like so proud of herself this was the smugness that came across was like i'm so proud of myself for getting to shoot somebody down that i assume is politically motivated or malicious and i was like yo lady i just forgot i'm sorry i'll go around it's like chill the fuck out but so regardless of whether you're a not mask wearer or you are a mask wearer if you have a strong opinion about that you're an idiot you're just participating in the kabuki that's there to fool the rubes you're not like aware that the situation is so much more out of control than that that like your position on one thing or another is really really unimportant yeah i mean it's very strange for someone to be like, <laughs> you're outdoors, you're on a bike, and you're like, I just want to leave. And they're like, no. 
Yeah, like, what are you actually saying? You know that I don't have a mask and you want to turn me around and put me back in the park where I can endanger more people than if you let me go the six feet, right? I mean, honestly... Also, you'd be out of there so much faster. Exactly. Yeah. You're not even thinking rationally about what this, what is happening here. Also, all the visual inputs of, like, you sweaty, like, huffing and puffing, like, and it's like, you were huffing and puffing. Well, and the fact that it was clearly just an accident. Yeah. But nobody has goodwill towards other people anymore, and it's all mistrust and suspicion. Because what would, what if you said, oh, my God, it fell out while I was riding? Would you get the same response? No, definitely not. Maybe I would, but, like, I, I just think they would assume that I was lying, or, like, even if they didn't, it would be... It, the thing is, the thing is, <laughs> all I'm trying to communicate is that it doesn't matter. I, the idea that people think it matters, regardless, is what's so, depressing. It's hard to live right now because this is not to say we're anti-mask people. Like I do. No, think of it's course not. Like you know, but like we're also pro reason or uh, pro like deducibility. Like, when the dudes who are making over a, uh, what's it called? A kiosk in the mall are working and sanding sans mask, and I look at them like, you're indoors. I need you to put a fucking thing on. Like, A, you're sucking in dust, so it's going to help you, but, like, you're pissing me off. Well, it shouldn't piss you off. Because if you extend your empathy for one second and you go, you know, these guys have been working the entire pandemic. Yeah, They're true, working yeah. in really shitty situations where it's not comfortable at all to wear a mask. And you know what everybody, I guess, seems to be forgetting when it comes to the mask issue is that that is not to protect yourself. That's it's to other people, yeah. protect other people. But I, as other person, also have a thing on, so I'm like, that's eh, fine. But also I'm like, dude, you're sucking down so much well it's just like hey guys guess what guess what nobody wants to admit which is it doesn't matter how many of us wear a mask at this point or how many people don't zero people could and 50 percent of people could the entire country's fucked because initially it was made a political issue in the first place so stop participating in the political issue of whether or not people are wearing them or not and that's just one example of an infinitesimal amount of superficial layer like fucked up decisions arguments yeah. and yeah. decisions that people invest so much time in this is the whole mentality i think that we were describing a few minutes ago which was just that like you have to get involved in your own life and what's meaningful to yeah. you and stop really worrying about who wears a mask and who doesn't but or whatever it really doesn't matter at this point it doesn't and like maybe maybe the bigger like unfortunately the terrible thing is like dudes working construction in indoor space or like that is not on my radar because my radar is getting paid at the end of the week. And that's where I'm at brain brain space wise. And it's like, I don't really care as long as the job's done because the job, my paycheck is determined by getting it done by X date, which is the terrible part because you're like, well, yeah, you only started on this today and you're probably supposed to get it done by Friday. The fuck? How is that a thing? Well, the, the salient thing there that is ultimately is really sad is that what this comes down to, and I, if I'm being honest with myself, the argument that I'm making is that basically you should just be self-interested at this point because every institution that is supposed to bind you to other people is absent and gone from journalism to government. Every, everybody but your friends and your family uh, 
any scale larger than that, you cannot count on anymore. So your own selfish interest is the only way to go. And like, don't, don't fight against that too hard. Um, Cause when you're fighting against that really hard, you're helping people that want you to get there faster. That sounds like an argument for Karens. The Karens are fine with me. You've never dealt with Karens. Well, listen, I'm not saying that they're good people, and I'm not saying that being self-interested makes you a good person, but I am making an argument for the idea that ultimately that is a symptom of material condition decay. And you should never blame those people for that, and at this point you should become kind of self-absorbed, but not in an Instagram way, Mm. in a what-is-rich-and-meaningful-to-me way. Because if you have a rich and meaningful life that is offline or is less centered online, you'll be a much more empathetic person. Um, I don't think people realize that being self-interested can actually improve your community sometimes if you're the right kind of person. Well, self-centered can take two split meanings, Yeah, is what you're describing. Yeah. Self-centered can be the pure, the pure, like, shiny Karen, or it can be a tapped-in person who... The Karens, the Karens are self-centered people that have negative impact on the world because they've never thought about anything ever beyond one layer. If you've ever had an idea and then you've thought about it harder and changed your mind or you've ever looked at a painting that you thought was bad and then ended up having a profound experience with it, you have already had more experience than a Karen has ever had. But you're doing the same thing. Yeah, and you, and, and that, but that's an inanimate object, not a minimum wage worker. Well, that's why you're a more sensitive person is because if you can extend empathy and profundity to something inanimate, then you can obviously do it with other human beings. The Karen has never had a profound experience with anything or anybody, and you should yeah. feel bad for her, not feel bad for yourself because of oh, her. Oh, yeah, I mean, I saw... A v- I saw a very funny, like, little Instagram uh, video where someone, like, it's like, angry white lady trounces into store. There's a hair on my cheese. And the person who's the cashier is like, okay, here's your money back. She's like, what? Yep, here you go. Yeah, that's all it takes. Here you go. And she's like, but. But I wanted to yell at you. That was why I actually did this. Do you want to fight? Do you really want to? Is right. this what you came in for? And it's like, yeah, it's like it's like Lady Fight Club. It's a a thirty rock scene where it's like, no, we like to fight each other because our lives are charmed. And it's like, yeah, you have no problems, so you go out seeking problems to take it out on people making nine dollars an hour. Yeah, well, the skinny woman that yelled at me for not having a mask was a Karen. She was yeah. doing exactly the same thing. She wanted the fight. Well, you're a white man, so you're of course her. I'm enemy number one, and it had nothing to do with whether or not this was a public safety risk. It had everything to do with her satisfaction, power of getting to win, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the power of. Oh. Well, so this is a good. If we could harness the the want of power of angry white women. We wouldn't need oil. Oh my God! That you know, windmills you, would spin for days. If you could get every American white woman in the same room just yelling at a single Starbucks cashier, you could power the sun for a <laughs> millennium. <laughs> no, yeah. If you did scream therapy yeah. with thirty angry white women named Susan, yeah, we we'd be fine oh, for yeah. at least twelve years. We'd be all right. 
Yeah, we wouldn't need nuclear energy or ge- geothermal power if we could just get white women to scream into pillows and somehow harm- harness that energy. Listen, don't knock screaming into soft objects. I, I Sometimes, understand. But that's therapeutic, not... Well, I guess if we could harness the energy of forty-year-old white women not having sex with their husbands somehow, if you could have a sort of <sighs> negative fission of inaction through resentment. Well, they're women with no pool boys, so it's really it, it is depressing. <laughs> it's like oh, like they're all New Yorkers. They're like, oh, why don't you just fuck the pool boy? It's like, well, I thought about fucking my trainer, but he's gay. And you're like, yeah, you go to Equinox, dumbass. The fuck's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Straight for pay. <laughs> <laughs> Title of app. <laughs>